I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we'll break down the Badgers um, after their bounce-back victory against Rutgers. Uh, really a nice um, a nice win for the Badgers after that horrible, horrible, ugly loss to Michigan. Um, to come out and get a victory over a quality team in the Big Ten is always good. Um, and it'll be nice as they open up another two-game stretch here this upcoming week with Northwestern and Ohio State uh, this upcoming Saturday. So big win for them. Any win in the conference is a big one, so we'll get into all things um, related to that. And then we've got some football news in the back half of the show as well. Um, a key departure for the Wisconsin football team, a key return. So we'll get into both of those, and then we'll get into our first position review preview on Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com. We've been doing position-by-position position kind of recaps of the 2020 season, looking a little bit ahead to the 2021 season. Uh, we're going to do that on the podcast as well over the next 10 to 11 episodes. Um, with each position group today, um, we'll talk about the cornerbacks because the key returner, uh, hint, hint, segues nicely with that position being, of course, Caesar Williams. You probably already know that. So we'll talk about all that as we get into the show. But first, Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. It's it's good to get back on it and talk a little bit about some, some positive news on the football front. And then, obviously, basketball front, it should be a, a little less doom and gloom after that Michigan game for them to, like you mentioned, get back to business, get a nice win over Rutgers. It was nice to see. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it'll be a much more positive and upbeat uh, episode than after that Michigan one. Of course, it was a a good weekend for Wisconsin sport fans overall. A uh, big one coming up this Sunday for the Green Bay Packers if you're also a fan of them. Um, so that's got a nice pep in our step today, and we, it's always better to talk about Wisconsin victories versus Wisconsin losses because um, that Michigan one was tough. There's been some tough football ones this past year, but right now everything is, is looking positive as to head into um, this next week. So before we – let's get into the, the, the basketball talk before we get into football. Nice bounce-back victories here to kind of mention how big of a win is that just in this conference after that Michigan loss? Any win is, is just absolutely huge in, in the Big Ten. You're looking at just the number of times that you're seeing teams fall to, to you know, teams that you traditionally would not expect them to lose to in the Big Ten. It's going to be a grind. Um, I, I think really the biggest thing was this was a confidence booster for the Badgers after, um, you know, just really not putting their best foot forward against Michigan, getting blown out um, in, in pretty much every statistical way and, and really not having much energy or juice behind it. Um, I, I think for them to go out there, get a nice win, especially on the road in the Big Ten, in an environment that you 
traditionally struggled. The Rack, they finally got um, the monkey off their back when that one and won a game there. Um, so I, I think in a lot of ways this was a big win for them. Um, and I'm, I'm just I'm fascinated now to see kind of how this team looks um, the next two games, which I think are going to be, an, uh, you know, another part of a crucial stretch here. Yeah, it was a nice win for sure. It's nice to kind of have that short memory after that Michigan game to be able to have a chance to, to come out and, and win that game. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised. I, I didn't realize that there was a, their first uh, victory at the Rack since Rutgers joined the Big Ten. So it is a tough place to play in Wisconsin. Um, of course, historically, since they joined the conference, has struggled to play there. So that's a big win for that part. But like you mentioned, really any win in this conference is huge. Um, they've got two big ones coming up. You know, even Northwestern is a, is a program that's improved tremendously from where they've been at a few years ago. So that'll be a tough test Wednesday night. Ohio State uh, playing good basketball right at, right now as well. So another tough test on Saturday. So two when you got a chance to get the wins, you got to you got to get them. You got to take them. I know, of course, last year when you look at kind of where the Badgers are in terms of their schedule, you know, we we, we didn't you won't want to see losses snowball. You know, late January last year was when Wisconsin, of course, lost to Purdue. That trip to Iowa City, lost that game, ended up bouncing back um, with that Michigan State win, but then they they lost three of four with that Minnesota game. So to come out and get a win this year in, in kind of the same stretch of the season where it can be, you know, of course it's a little bit more condensed because you didn't have a full non-conference slate, but this was the time of the year kind of where the Badgers were struggling a little bit last year, and you saw that uh, a little bit in that Michigan game, but thankfully it didn't snowball into anything more. So I think anytime you win in this in this conference is, is big, and I think that was a big one as they get set up for another big week. No doubt. Um, you know, last time we met we talked about, about kind of their energy level, and I think that that was something that stood out. Um, you know, I, I made fun of the fact that both teams were kind of doing the JV basketball like defense chants going on, um, <laughs> which you don't traditionally see in a Big Ten game. And I know that there wasn't as many fans, but but just in terms of just overall juice, I thought the Badgers came out to play um, from the jump better and and were and were more active and engaged in the game. How important do you think it was to see that, in, not only in this game, but moving forward? Well, I really think it's huge. I mean, you look at this team right now, and we'll talk about kind of their Achilles heel uh, a little bit here. We've got a couple other written down, but that one was kind of one that we've been watching for. And, you know, Drew wrote up an article, does the Wisconsin basketball have, you know, an energy problem? Um, there's been a lot of discussions, you know, post-game coverage of, of the bench and, you know, guys maybe not being super energetic. I thought that was better. You've seen teams across the country having, you know, crazy benches that are that are getting the team hyped up with no fans. That, that's been important, and I know it's been a topic of conversation for Wisconsin um, a couple times after losses. So I thought they were better. You wouldn't think that makes a huge impact on the game, but these are still college kids, and you want to – anything that can spark the energy and bring the energy is important. So – I think that was better. I do kind of think the the switch from Tyler Wall, I know that was kind of a matchup, um, you know, swap out with Nate Reavers. Tyler Wall's kind of an energy guy. Maybe it takes a little bit for Nate Reavers to get going. So I, I thought that switch was maybe telling of the energy. Um, and we'll see how that plays out this week. But overall, it's important. You want Wisconsin to come out and, and start strong because they're not built to, you know, be coming back in games. They're They're built to grind it out. Um, play solid defense, put in, you know, offensive shots that are quality shots and, and hopefully, um, you know, have a lead and, and just kind of milk that clock, make their free throws, kind of similar to what this game was against Rutgers. So I think it's important to get off to a good start. 
and uh, hopefully that will continue as they get into you know some more uh, Big Ten games this week. Yeah, for sure, and I think you look at this Rutgers game, and that was in a game that you are the superior team. Like, let's be real, Wisconsin coming into the season had much higher hopes going in than what Rutgers has and is expected to, to win that game most of the time, whether it's at the rack or whether it's at the Kohl Center. And I, I thought the Badgers did a good job of being the aggressor. Um, far too often we've seen the Badgers um, play down to competition, not be aggressive in those games. That's really what haunted them against Maryland. Um, it's it's what almost allowed uh, Indiana to take them down as well. So I think um, that was a, the thing that really jumped out to me was just their aggressiveness, their their willingness to to get out and and um, you know push push the envelope on the defensive end and um, and work on that. I, I think it really is something that they need to continue to do. Um, I know you talked about um, the tower wall switch. Like I, I think I doubt that that's going to be something that continues, but maybe it is. Um, I, I think you're going to see Wall continue to see more playing time, though, because of his energy level. So I, I think right now the big question is what's going on with Nate Reavers. Um, I mean, he's, mm. he's really struggling. It's, it's not great um, for him right now. You know, he was your leading scorer last year. You expect a lot better out of him. But um, I think for right now we'll, we should temper expectations about we're going to see Tyra Wall playing 34 minutes like he was in this past game. I think – um, that Nate Reavers is just gonna get get back into his groove, um, but but I think that that's something um, that's that is is gonna be something to watch over the next couple games because if Greg Gard wants to run with Tyler Wall out there and allows um, Brad Davison and um, Micah Potter to rotate more, I think that can help them out at times. Um, but I still think there's gonna be people clamoring um, that they're gonna want. Nate Reavers and and uh, Micah Potter on the court at the same time again, like we heard last year. So I think it's going to be fascinating to watch how that um, piece of the lineup happens because I highly doubt that uh, um, some of the former coaches with the Badgers, I doubt, for example, Bo Ryan would have made that switch, um, even if it was a defensive matchup. You know, you, you saw him never waver really from his starting lineup. I know Greg usually sit, um, holds pretty true to his starting lineup as well. But I, I think that was a, not only possibly a wake-up call for Nate Reavers, but also um, matchup-based. Yeah, I think the the wake-up call, maybe even if it wasn't necessarily designed to be that way, hopefully it maybe lights a spark under Nate Reavers a little bit here and gets him going. You know, he he's not just a role player for this team. Last year he, he led the team in scoring, was a huge part uh, of the team. So for for them to be winning games with him really struggling is is telling of the depth of this team and the strength of this team, but also what this team could be if Nate Reavers is playing the way we know he can is is going to be special. So hopefully he can figure out whatever's going on and get back to get back to the last couple of years of Nate Reavers because he's a really solid player and and then Wisconsin will need him at some point here down the stretch. So um, going on to the game a little bit here more. A little bit sluggish in the middle. Really not a pretty game. But Wisconsin was once again able to squeak it out. Um, a lot of it on the back of Demetri Trice. He was scoring. He, he didn't have his normal 20 points that we've had the last few um, games, but he was rebounding the ball, distributing the ball, kind of played more to the strength of his game and what you want in this offense. So how impressive was he and, and how impressive has the stretch been over the last few games where he's just playing out of his mind, it seems like, night in and night out? 
Yeah, I mean, he, he's the most important player on this entire team, the way he's playing. Um, you know, he had 13 points, doled out five assists, had two steals. Um, he, he's a guy that when they needed buckets late in that game, he, he delivered and, get, and got them those. Um, I was also really impressed by Aleem Ford. I thought he had a phenomenal game. Um, couldn't get it going from three, but but he took the ball inside, uh, had that pretty reverse layup. But he what the job he did on the defensive end was really what stood out to me. He's not traditionally as a he's a stretch three or four. Um, he's not traditionally known as like a really good defensive player. A lot of times you'll see him getting pulled late in games because they they trust Tyler Wall, Jonathan Davis to help out better on the defensive end. But the effort he put on the court against Ron Harper Jr., one of the better um, guards in the Big Ten, I thought was was really noteworthy, holding him to only four points, two of 13 shooting. Um, I, I thought that was, if, if it came down to it, I thought Aleem Ford and Demetri Trice, the two kids from IMG, were the reason they won this game. Um, because like you mentioned, in the middle, it got real ugly and real sloppy. It was a rock fight from both teams. Nobody could make a basket. Um, I think it's indicative in, this, in the scoring column when you look at the Badgers were 8 of 28 in the second half. Uh, Rutgers was 11 of 36. So neither team could really get much going. Rutgers didn't hit it, hit a three-pointer in the entire second half. Um, but um, the Badgers' ability, both Aleem Ford and Demetri Trice, to kind of get to the line helped them out immensely. Um, and the Badgers shooting 16 of 21 from the line, that'll that'll win you games uh, in the Big Ten, so they got to keep that going. So I think Demetri Trice, he's, he is by far the flywheel that keeps this team going, but it was nice to see Aleem Ford step up on the defensive end as another big part of that game. Yeah, he played really well defensively and put in 14 points. If you can get that from him, you know, night in and night out from Aleem Ford, you're really – um, you know, you're really looking. You're probably in a pretty good position, just given what the other guys contribute, and and really we've seen it a couple times this year with with him scoring. You know, in the double figures, Potter and double figures, having three guys, four guys in the in you know the 10 to 14 point range is is really when this this offense is normally clicking when you're getting guys putting in you know points from all over the floor. Um, so it's nice to see them get back to that if they can kind of rely on each other each putting up double figures a little bit in those the low, you know, 10 to 13 to 14. I think that'll be really good to have a balanced scoring system um, for this team because as we move forward, you don't want to have it all on one guy, and, and that's when Wisconsin basketball is really um, clicking when a lot of guys are putting in baskets that way. So it was important to see uh, a strong performance from a lean forward as they try to get, you know, more production from, from guys like Nate Reavers. So um, once again, we, we talked about Achilles' heel a little bit earlier. The three ball not really falling for either team. It just was, but they both kept shooting. You know, Rutgers, I believe, attempted 19, Wisconsin, uh, 24, 25. So really uh, <laughs> a struggle from the three point line for both teams. It was kind of ugly. Um, so that again seems to be, you know, relevant as the team moves forward here. And then rim protection really wasn't that great. Now that we've gotten into Big Ten play a little bit you've seen them play some strong teams it seems like those are the two things that continue to you know stand out when they struggle so is that kind of looking like the Achilles heel for this team in your eyes definitely definitely rebounding and um you know post defense I, I think Micah Potter does a lot of great things on the offensive end he struggles at times um on the defensive end with moving his feet inside and Nate, Nate Reavers has been extremely soft compared to what we saw last year from him um you know I'm I Nate Reavers is not built to be uh, a really, really um, great rim protector. He's he's good at um, knowing when to jump and block shots, but at the same time, he's not super strong. He's not going to you know keep guys not from backing him down. 
But both of those guys need to be better uh, inside. We saw that far too often that when the Badgers have struggled, teams have been able to go in and inside on them. And Rutgers did most of their damage inside the paint. Um, and, and really that's something that Wisconsin needs to get better at. Rutgers had 42 points in the paint. Uh, Wisconsin had 18. So you can see that Wisconsin settled for a lot of jump shots, like you mentioned. Um, you know, Brad Davison shot nine three-pointers. Um, that's that's a, a little insane, especially considering that in the second half, they just weren't falling for him. He, he dropped in two out of his first three from three, and then from there it was just kept shooting threes. He got to the line a few times and did some damage inside. But but really, I, I think for the Badgers, the for me, if I had to pick an Achilles heel, the three ball is going to be on and off based off of the game. That's just basketball. Um, that's getting used to a new environment, an arena. There's a reason they struggle um, in Piscataway. But I think the bigger thing is on the defensive end, um, I think if Rutgers could have figured out how to throw a damn lob, I think the Badgers probably lose that game. <laughs> but – but, man, I, I, you look at it, Miles um, Johnson's a pretty good center, but, but really he's, he's not anything compared to what some of the other guys in the Big Ten are going to be when um, we see the Badgers' tough stretch here coming in uh, a few weeks. So I'm, I think the Badgers have some cleaning up to do uh, in post-defense, whether it be that some of the um, guards have to dig down to help, whether it, it be just better team defense, whether it be just – um, you know, getting Micah Potter and Nate Reavers to to get a little stronger down there and and hold their own. But um, I think right now, if I had to pick an Achilles heel, that the post defense, the interior um, defense is is what I would say. And I think part of that needs to just focus on team defense because, like I said, I don't know if Micah Potter and Nate Reavers are necessarily built to be really great post defense post defenders. Yeah, and I think that's even more – I would agree with you. I think it's even more telling when you look at the upcoming schedule, like you kind of mentioned here. you still got Illinois twice with Kofi Coburn. you still got Iowa twice with Luca Garza. You've got Michigan once more with Hunter Dickinson. So you've got some bigs and you've got some teams that are willing to go inside and can go inside that you're really going to have to have that cleaned up or you're going to be you know, really struggling to pick up wins in, in five victories because they do such a good job. They've got such strong bigs. If, if you don't have something figured out over these next couple weeks – um, you're going to have a, a big test and a, a big thing coming for you in some of those games. So uh, for right now, though, Wisconsin uh, hosts Northwestern Wednesday and Ohio State Saturday afternoon. So it should be a fun stretch here at the Badgers. Look to continue to pick up a couple more Big Ten wins as the season rolls on. All right, guys, uh, we finished up our basketball talk, so stick with us through a couple ad reads, and then we'll get into our football discussion. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
All right, let's talk some Wisconsin football. Like you mentioned at the front half of the show, big decisions um, from a couple key players from this past year's team. Garrett Groshek uh, is not returning for another season. Um, I know we've kind of talked about this a little bit already. We, we kind of saw this coming, not a big shocker. Uh, but, of course, he made his decision. And how do you think that's going to play out, and, and how do you think that's going to kind of impact the running back room? And, and what do you maybe see for, for Garrett Groshek in his future? I think he's a guy who, who fits very similarly to Dario Gumbawale as a guy who came in as a walk-on, um, third down back, finds a niche that he could probably bounce around a little bit in the, in the league. Um, if, if he finds the right landing spot, um, I think that's going to be the biggest thing for him. And that's really the biggest thing for anybody who's going to probably be taken on as a, as a free agent is you just got to find the right fit for you um, in, in an offense. Um, but, I mean, you look at it, he, he had over 1,800 yards from scrimmage over the course of his career. Um, he, he's a guy that can do a lot of nice things. He had eight touchdowns, helped them out as a four-year p- contributor um, and, and was really reliable as a, as a run blocker. Um, I mean, as a pass blocker. So I think you look at Groshek, and, and he, is, he is the epitome of, of uh, a feel-good story from the state of Wisconsin for a walk-on. Now it's going to be seeing what he can do in the league. Um, but in terms of next year and what, what that means, I think uh, there was still a little glimmer of hope that he might be back. Um, we mentioned that they lost out on the Marquis Step um, choice last, last episode. I, I think right now it, you've got to be looking at some of the young players and saying, hey, here's your chance. Um, you know, Isaac Rendo has got to be healthy for once. Julius Davis, we got to see if he can, if he's around and available and is able to be out there, um, and if he's back to full health. Um, Brady Shipper, I think, is you know, Garrett Groshek light. We'll see if he can kind of do do a, a similar thing as him. But but I also think Jalen Berger could be what we saw from Jonathan Taylor, where he's he's your guy because he can do some things as a as a pass catcher. Um, if if he can show that he can he can block in passing situations. I think you might see a lot of, of Berger, um, a, a guy to, to watch. I think Royal Crawford's a guy who, who could also contribute as a third down back if they need somebody in that role. So I, I, I think really I'm excited to see it because I think there's so much uncertainty going on at the running back position behind Berger. And Julius Davis seems like a guy who you would think would be primed to possibly jump up. Um, I, I think really this spring and this summer are going to be huge for those guys to, to kind of sort out what the backfield is going to look like because Jalen Berger, as much as I, I said, hey, Jalen Berger can, is probably going to have a big hand in, in this running back room, he, he's still only going to be um, a, a 19-year-old kid out there, and, and that's not necessarily always what you want to be your, your bell cow when he's, he's a slighter running back and, and uh, doesn't have a whole – host of experience. Yeah, the the whole running back room is going to be fascinating to watch. You know, you came into this year, you had uh, Groshek, who, who you knew you could lean on, and he had a tremendous career and I think doesn't doesn't get as much props as he probably deserves, given that he was always kind of the number two guy behind, of course, a, a two-time Doak Walker winner and Jonathan Taylor. You're not going to get as much recognition, but he was, he was a really good player for Wisconsin for a lot of years, did a lot of things that Maybe didn't stand out on the stat sheet, but uh, was was really important in terms of pass blocking and and you know with Jonathan Taylor kind of working in that way. And then this year, 
Um, kind of a similar role, but also taking a little bit more in, in terms of carries with with just the uh, availability of Jalen Berger not always being there, you know, putting the team on his back against Minnesota. It's it, Like you mentioned, a feel-good story is a great way to put it um, in terms of his career, and I think he'll be a, a good player in the league as well. But as you mentioned, you know, the running back room, there's a lot of question marks that will need to be answered. You've got some answers in Jalen Berger, but you, you've got to find something behind him as well. You mentioned Brady Shipper being uh, Garrett Groshek light, which I think is the perfect analysis and kind of what he was being groomed for this year. So hopefully he can take over as part of that pass blocking role. But uh, in terms of the running back room, it's not necessarily super clear right now outside of Jalen Berger. And of course it is football. You hope nothing happens injury wise, but you can't go into a season only having one running back that you solely rely on. So the Isaac Rendos, the Julius Davises, the, the incoming freshman, like you mentioned with Loyal Crawford, um, and, and a couple other guys, they they need to be ready to go, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out because I think there's definitely going to be reps available with, with the departure of Watson and Groshek um, that they're going to need to find and, and fill um, in the spring. So, yeah, as you mentioned, spring is going to be a big time to see where this running back room really progresses and, and where it develops in the next season. Yeah, and I know um, just on Twitter you, you might have saw over the weekend um, that Keontae Ingram, the running back from Texas, mm-hmm. he's like six six foot, 220-some, um, would fit in nicely with the Badgers. He he announced that he was transferring, and Colin Wilder was tweeting at him um, um, using his, his Texas connections there. So we'll see. I, I think the Badgers are still going to be you know open to bringing in a, a transfer running back, which I think would make a lot of sense. Um, Ingram would, would fit in nicely uh, based off of kind of his skill set. He kind of got pushed out after an ankle injury and the fact that Bijan Robinson is a stud for Texas as a young guy. So I, I think I think there's still a chance the Badgers look elsewhere to bring in a running back. Um, but at the same time, I think you have to look at some of those younger guys who have been kind of biding their time as well as the three incoming freshmen to see – if one of those guys can jump up and and play, because they're gonna there's gonna be reps like you mentioned that they they're gonna have to fill because um, there's only so many t- times where you can go to the well with um, Jalen Berger. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to watch for sure. And and we wish Garrett Groshek, of course, the best of luck uh, wherever he goes into his next season, um, whether it be bounces around the league. I hope he gets a, a shot, and and like you mentioned, fit's gonna be important there. Um, but a, just a hats off, hats off, you know, hat tip to him uh, for his career. It was a, it was a really solid career at Wisconsin, and you always love to see those walk-on stories uh, really have success, and, and he really embodied that. So, moving on here, we had a, we had a departure in Garrett Groshek, but we have a return in Caesar Williams. I think that's huge for this Wisconsin secondary. You've already got Fayon Hicks back now. You got Caesar Williams back. Really, the two starting corners for most of this season, and, and played a lot last year. So. Just how big is that decision in your eyes as as Jim Leonard welcomes back his other starting corner? I think it's big. For for consistency purposes, having both uh, Fan Hicks and Caesar Williams, two guys who have played a ton of football for you back, um, and, and they, they mesh well because Caesar Williams is a little longer, lengthier corner at like 6'1". Fan Hicks a little shorter at like 5'10", 5'11". So they, they pair nicely, and I think it really gives Jim Leonard some some nice pieces to, to play with in the defensive backfield when you also consider that Colin Wilder's coming back, you've got Scott Nelson coming back, that I think the secondary now with that announcement gets a lot more depth, gets, uh, gets some good experience back. Um, 
you know, he's a guy who led the team in passes defense in 2019 with nine, had really good season, I think. He might have taken a slight step back this year. You know, I, I remember after the, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, um, I mentioned that, hey, I think that that game might have been uh, a positive for the Badgers, that it might bring back Caesar Williams because he did not uh, play his best game in that one. That um, and, and sure enough, he's back. I think um, – his, him being back, though, really helps them. I think it allows a guy like Dante Burton or Samar Melvin, two of the younger corners that are coming up that I think the staff is really high on, to allow them to kind of focus on working in the slot and, and figuring out which one of those two is going to be your um, slot corner because Wild Goose is also gone. So I, I think it's big. I think anytime you can bring back a player that has a lot of experience who probably has a shot to play in the NFL at some time, or another, I think you're all aboard bringing him back. And so I think for all intents and purposes, this is a big win for the Badgers to get him back. And, and really they've got all six different guys now coming back when, when you look at it. And still out there, Danny Davis is who we're waiting on. Yeah, that's the big one to watch. And, you know, for Caesar Williams, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's a huge get for, for him to come back. I think it's it's beneficial for both sides. I think he could use another year of, of really polishing up his game. You're learning under Jim Leonard, you know, week in and week out. That's huge. And I think he's a guy that you mentioned the slight step back, which which I would agree with. He he had flashes again this year, but I think another solid year and, and just a return to normalcy. Hopefully this next year will will pay dividends for him. And I think you, now you've got, you know, you talked about how they match up well with Hicks. Uh, and him, you know, Williams being a longer corner, which I totally agree with. I think that that pairing is really solid. But now you've got the opportunity to allow the younger guys to kind of, you know, progress naturally. You don't have to force them in. We've talked about that a little bit with these, with this weird year of of bringing guys back that normally with, without COVID you wouldn't have that option. So you, you get a little bit more leeway that some of these guys up and coming, you know, can, if they're ready to play, they'll be on the field. But if they're not ready to play, they're not going to be forced onto the field, which for a position like cornerback at Wisconsin is not always a luxury that they've had. You know, sometimes they've you know been forced to play young guys early on in their career. You know, a few years ago, Hicks and, and Williams and some of these young guys were playing um, as freshmen and all of a sudden now they're, you know, upperclassmen and seniors and opting to come back for another year. So, um, I, I think it's huge that he's played a lot of football. He's going to bring them back, and I think it'll really um, allow this position to, to have some flexibility as you look for some depth behind it and then um, you know maybe a nickel corner and some of those younger guys that way. So um, the Caesar Williams discussion kind of segues us nicely to our first uh, position preview uh, and review for the 2020-2021 season. We'll start to uh, look at each position. We'll start with cornerbacks today. So we talked about Williams a little bit and Hicks already. So you've got that solid base. You've got two starters um, that that I think coming into the season, I wouldn't expect to see anything different other than those two and, and other guys getting worked in. But what do you make of this group as a whole in addition to, you know, having those two back and, and the guys behind them? Yeah, I think it's really deep. You look at it, um, I, I think the one thing you'd wish you had was, was a marquee lockdown cornerback that you're like, hey, this is a surefire guy that is going to be playing in the league um, at a high level. I think that's the one thing that the Badgers have been missing for a while here. I think um, I think Nick Nelson was as close as you were. They were have gotten to that since you know even all the way back to like even Jamar Fletcher, um, one of my favorite players for the Badgers. Um, but I, I think you look at it; they've got a lot of depth. They got a lot of guys that can that can interchangeably come in and, and do some nice things. Um, 
I, I think really you look at those two corners, those are, your, those are the, like you said, a good solid base of where to start. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see who, who drive, drives the conversation at the nickel corner. You know, we, we mentioned Dante Burton is a guy who, who could do that. Dean Ingram is another guy. Um, and but, but I think what's nice about having uh, both Williams and Hicks back is it also allows your two incoming freshmen in Al Ashford, Ricardo Hallman, to probably redshirt. Be guys that mm-hmm. um, both longer corners at six foot plus that you can redshirt them, allow them to to um, you know build a nice foundation for their future. Al Ashford coming in as a as a an early enrollee should help him that he, if he does play really well, maybe he can get out there. But I think that scholarship distribution wise. The move to for both of them to come back is is huge because otherwise I think you're going to have a logjam of of young guys that were all kind of stuck in the in the same general sphere but um, not having a ton of experience. So I think this gives you another year to buffer, get some of those guys in and rotate in so that you really know what you have behind those two as well. So I I would imagine that Jim Leonard is, is going to do a lot of goofy stuff this spring and probably not um, you know put. Uh, Williams and Hicks out nearly as much as he maybe um, needs to because he really wants to probably see what he's got behind him. Yeah, I think that's going to be an important point of note and, and emphasis to see what they've got behind those two. And I think the scholarship point that you made is is really something that maybe you don't – not everybody thinks about, but that is important. You know, Ricardo Holman I think was a steal in this class and, and really going to be a guy that I think will develop nicely. So, so for allow him to possibly come in in and, and redshirt um, would be, I think, beneficial for, for all parties that way that, uh, you know, these guys can, these upperclassmen can can play and contribute at a high level. These young guys coming in aren't going to be stuck behind, you know, that middle group of, of the Melvin, of Dante Burton, you know, Dean Ingram, Alexander Smith, some of these younger guys that right now are all going to be competing behind, you know, those top two in, in Williams and Hicks that way. So I think depth was a, is a great point, and, and I think this cornerback room is going to continue to be strong and special, and and hopefully it'll allow them to you know kind of develop as we as we mentioned, develop at their own progress and and, and their own timetable, and then get worked in there as they see fit. So Jim Leonard's got a, a nice luxury of being able to to see what he's got with with each group and in each class that way they're set up pretty good um, as cornerback as the room looks towards 2021. So. We've talked about it a little bit already. I, I think the big question when you look at position by position, you know, there's there's this question mark with everywhere. And I think this one is who is maybe going to be that nickel guy is, is one of the questions. And then who is going to be the guys that really show up behind them? Because Jim Leonard does rotate in corners. It's not just going to be those two. You're going to need a, a nickel corner that is essentially, you know, this year coming into the year, you talked about Rashad Wild Goose as, as basically a starter on your defense. You've got you know, a nickel starter that way. So, what do you make of of, of that group, and and what do you what do you have your eye on that way in terms of the group uh, that that's maybe up and coming? You know, I'm I'm excited. The guy that I think started coming on further in the season was Dean Ingram. Um, I think he's a guy that I think could push Burton um, and Alexander Smith. Um, you, you also look at it, you, you've got uh, Deron Harrell, who's kind of been an enigma his entire career here, um, as a guy that could also possibly, he's not going to be your nickel because he's too tall most likely, but he, he's a guy that could push for some time as well. And then, you know, Max Lofi, who who redshirted this past year, didn't play at all. Um, what 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 to make of him? I, I think you see in spring what you have of him, but um, I think the big thing is, is Samar Melvin. I think 
him, he missed pretty much the entire year. I think he only had two tackles this year because he was dealing with injuries. He was a guy that, that played a lot in the nickel late in the season when Wild Goose was out in, in 2019. So can he regain his footing and get back out there? Um, but really, I think the competition is going to be big for that nickel spot, and I'm excited to see what the two deep looks like. Um, and then can this team kind of get beyond the cornerback group, get to a point where they're making some splash plays? Um, you look at it, this defense was really good. They only allowed like 170 yards per game through the air, which was in the top 10 in the country, um, and were, the defense was excellent. But we didn't see – any splash plays from the cornerbacks. We didn't see any interceptions. We didn't see um, any forced fumbles, anything like that. So I think that would be one thing that um, I would want to see from this group um, to, to improve upon because um, that's something that has been severely lacking the past few seasons from the cornerback spot. Yeah, I think that would be important to know. You, know, you look at this defense, you've got a strong uh, secondary with the safeties. You've got Maybe some question marks up front on the defensive line. You've got a strong linebacking core. So if you've got some corners that can make some plays and, and maybe take some pressure off, you know, this year we talked about the the lack of pressure, and, and that might be a topic of conversation going into next year. So there's going to be times where the opposing quarterback might have a little bit more time to throw, and that's going to take, um, you know, some cornerback making some plays uh, in, in the likes of, of Williams and Hicks and, and someone behind them. So, um, the younger group, I would agree with you. I think uh, you know Samar Melvin's a name to, to definitely watch. Dante Burton was was highly recruited, um, you know, out of out of high school. Still, would like to see a little bit more from him. And then you know some of these younger guys, um, you know, like Max Lofi is another name that was this came in that maybe wasn't as highly recruited, but you hope that he can make that next step after this year and, and just kind of observing. So they've got a lot of guys that I think they're in a strong position with. It's just now time to see what they've got on the field. You know, of course, all these guys are practicing, and Jim Leonard knows that in that regard. But now you're going to see some of these younger guys and maturing guys in that group start to get some playing time, and it's going to be more and more as the season goes on. So they're going to need, you know, some some strong contributions from someone. And I'm interested to see. I think I've got confidence in a lot of guys in that group, but I'm interested to see who's going to be the guy that really steps up and is either the 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 nickel corner or that slot or that third corner, um, you know, that really steps up and, and works his way into the rotation because there's a lot of names in that hat, but someone's going to have to go out and earn it and prove it, and, and Jim Leonard's going to make uh, make sure that whoever it is is going to be a guy that's ready to play and, and ready to make some plays. For sure. I, I think this it's a good group, but but it's going to be interesting to see kind of how this shakes out because there's a number of options that they can play around with, and, and um, hopefully they can get back to having a, a good pass rush so that these guys can um, go ahead and be more aggressive at trying to hawk the ball. I think that wraps up our football discussion nicely. Of course, the cornerback room will be one to continue to watch for, so we'll, uh, we'll wrap that preview recap kind of up. And then we'll get into more positions uh, down the road here, guys. We've, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have been doing write-ups for this as well. If you're looking for more of a you know recap and preview that way, make sure to go check those out at Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com. And if not, uh, listen on here, and we'll give you a nice uh, synopsis of, of what we wrote up on the site as well. So that wraps up our episode for today, guys. As always, thank you for listening. We'll be back with you later in the week. And as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.